0: Today's scripture reading comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. Again, that's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is is the word of the Lord. Today is an exciting day for many reasons, and uh, I just wanna share a few things of why we can be excited today. Well, first it's Sunday, and it's the Lord's Day, so who's not excited, right? Secondly, we have a banquet at five o'clock, and this banquet is going to commemorate, celebrate all the work that we've put together, and it's like, in many ways, a wedding banquet. It's not only me that thinks that. In fact, when we were commissioned in the KM service before, that's exactly what Pastor Yang said. This is like us sending them uh, in marriage. And so when you go to a marriage, um, you celebrate. Sorry. And, um, you know, you don't just have a crust of bread and a little drink of water. (laughs) You feast because it's something worth celebrating. And in that same way, at 5 o'clock, we have our CGS banquet. So I invite all of you to come. And it's not just us that's going to be there. A lot of our other church members will be there. And so we'll have a great grand old time. Another announcement I wanted to give was uh, that we have been searching for a part-time pastor for a while now. In fact, we were searching for... I want to say almost a year. And I announced it a few months ago that we were searching, but that search has come to an end. And we have uh, a pastor that is willing to suffer with us. And I just want to introduce him and his family to us. And if you were at the retreat, you heard him speak. And that's Pastor Paul. He's here with his family. Pastor Paul is here with his wife, Joy, his daughter, Hope. His uh, son, Martin, and son, Calvin. Can they all stand up and let's just welcome them. So this is indeed a joyous day. In fact, even if you think pastorally, uh, two can be broken. As strong as two is, one is just going to break. Two can be broken, but even the Bible says three is going to be strong. And so this is our prayer, that the three of us will be strong in serving the Lord and serving the church. So I'm very happy that Pastor Paul can join us. He's going to be starting actually in February, and so we look forward to him joining us then. But he wanted to visit today after the retreat, and he has a lot of expertise in many areas. He has a passion for many areas, but most of all, it is his humble heart that really got to me, and his just attitude of worship that I know goes through his family as well. So welcome. I'm um, really thankful that you all are here. The next announcement that I have is what we did uh, earlier today, but we were supposed to have a bone marrow drive today. This is a surprise to everybody, I'm sure, because there is this baby in the UK. His name is Ali Kim. And... Uh, you know, he has this really rare uh, disease that only affects one out of how, so, so many kids. I think he's 100,000 or a million. And they, he needs a bone marrow transplant to live. Um, in the UK, and when I talked to the grandma, the grandma was so desperate, saying, please, uh, if you could do anything for us, we'd appreciate it. And they're in such a hurry because his time is short. And he's such a a young, small kid, a baby, barely getting to know life. And so when she reached out to me, I said, what can we do? She said, you can host a bone marrow drive. And I said, okay, when can we do it? As soon as you can. How about this Sunday? I was like, yes. And then talked to the elders and our pastor, and they all said yes. And it's like, all right, let's do it. Let's announce it to the congregation. But because of the the snow, they couldn't make it up here. And it's a little bit of a trek for them. So we're going to do it next week. And so I hope that this is not really an optional thing, that we can really go out. We want to be a church that blesses. And so everybody at the end of service next week will go and get that cotton swab. Um, There is some scare, like, oh, what if I'm the match? Does that mean I have to cut my body in half or something? I don't know what goes on. What goes on? And uh, 90% of the time, it's just a blood transfusion. Uh, 10% of the time, however, it takes a little longer, a longer process. But I want to say this. If you want to save a life and you know this life is precious, then, yeah, it's okay to be part of that 10% where it might take, instead of one day, it takes five days. You're going to save a life. So I want to encourage everybody uh, to really participate in this bone marrow drive. If you have friends, uh, bring them next week. Tell them that um, we're going to host it right after service, so 1:15. They're gonna stay here for an hour, and it's really important that we participate in this. Uh, I do think that they are desperate because in the UK, there's not a lot of Asian people, or not enough for them to find a match. So they're just uh, reaching out anywhere they can, and you know the people that respond first are the churches. So we really want to respond. So with that said, I am starting a new series. Very excited for this. We're taking a break from Genesis uh, to do this series, and then we're going to go back to Genesis. But in this series, we're going to talk about prayer. Prayer. I thought it was important that we start our year in prayer because it's essential to not just our Christian life, but to our church that we know what prayer is. And we want to start off with this premise, and we have to know this to be the truth. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. This is the premise of what we're going to start our series with. But here's the thing, the Christian never prays alone, and prayer is never a solitary action. When we have this image of prayer, sometimes you have this image of someone kneeling down, usually someone old, right? Someone's kneeling down with their hands clasped, Alone in prayer. But the picture that the Bible gives us is never solitary and alone. And prayer is not a solitary action. And that's why, while we do the six week series on prayer, the first topic of prayer is relationship. Prayer is an activity of relationship. I have three points for us. And the first one is God and us, God and God, and us and God. So God and us, God and God, and us and God. My sister can attest to this. And see, now every time I tell a story, you actually have someone that could be like, not as but, it's untrue. (laughs) Or you can be like, actually, that's true. But when I was younger, and when we were younger, when uh, my dad would come back, to the house, and he wasn't in high spirits. He was angry about something. He has this low voice, and the thing about low voices, he's a bass, the thing about low voices, it, it actually carries through and it penetrates the wall, and the whole house shook when he would kind of yell. So whenever he would walk in, and he would be angry about something, and, she, and he, he was right, I mean, I did so many bad things I almost burned a house down once, and it was, it was, I did a lot of bad things. So he had a right to be angry, and when he was yelling, like a shiver would run down my whole body because it was not just mental, but it was physical because his bass was so booming, my whole body would shake. Um, in college, I slept a lot. I don't know about you college students, but in college, I slept a lot. And when it became finals time, I just didn't sleep. Uh, which was a terrible, terrible habit. But this is what I did too. And one time, we, we didn't have um, cell phones readily available back then. Uh, we had some called an, something called an answering machine. And when you called, people can leave a message, right? And so one time I was sleeping, and my college roommates came back into the room, and there was a message, so they played it, but I was sleeping. And then one, as soon as they pressed play, my dad, left a message, this is crazy, you like, I was like, what? But um, my dad left a message, and he left a message, and he started with, "Eugena," right? And then I just violently shook up, I was shook awake, I was like, whoa, right? My friends thought it was so funny that every time I fell asleep, they would play that mes- message again and again. I was like, that's not funny, I need sleep, what's, what's wrong with you guys? But back back in the day, when you had a phone call, before caller ID, or if a caller's, of the ideas block, and someone calls you, you immediately know who it is, how. How would you know who it was without you saying, who's this? Uh, You would know if you have a relationship with that person. If you have a relationship with that person, you know. If you don't have a relationship with that person, you would just simply ask, who this? Who's calling, right? And um, that's, that's how you would do it. But prayer is also an act of relationship. What happens when we pray? When we pray, there are two parties. And one is God, and the other is the one with desires. There's a person with desires, and then there's God. Christ teaches us to pray by starting our Father, that we prayed just before. This should show us that prayer is not just relational, but it's intimately relational. And if we, if, if we don't realize this, then this is what we are participating in. A sociologist named Christian Smith calls it the moralistic therapeutic deism. If we don't realize this is relational, He calls it the moralistic therapeutic deism. By that we mean that we treat God like a cosmic therapist or some kind of counselor. He's just ready at our beckon and call to respond in times of trouble. And he never, never would ask anything of us, especially not devotion or any kind of obedience. When we think this way, then God isn't interested in any kind of meaningful relationship. Instead, Prayer has become to us just a submission of a list of desires or complaints. And we want minimal engagement from the other end. This is what we call a transactional relationship. In a transactional relationship, we want minimal engagement while we get what we came for. And I want to invite Pastor Sam to come up here and help me with this next demonstration. Uh, This mic is on. Nice. Okay, I need to look the part, too, so I got this. I don't know if this really plays well, but I'm supposed to be a guy at Home Depot. All right, I'm this guy at Home Depot, and we have a potential customer. You can come in. That's how you walk into Home Depot? Come on, (laughs) let's be real. All right. <laughs> there you go. How can I help you, sir? I'm looking for some nails. Oh, they're on aisle six. Thank you. Okay, and that's, that's, a normal, that's a normal kind of situation. Let's, let's try it one more time. <laughs> Hi, how can I help you, sir? I'm looking for some nails. Oh, that's good. What kind of nails? Uh, the sharp ones. Why do you need nails? <laughs> I'm... Uh making a table okay you're not gonna kill your wife or anything like no that, no, with no, nails? no i don't okay. have a wife so. oh okay it looks like you might have a wife I, though no i don't have one you don't okay it'd be nice if you had a wife wouldn't you agree it would yeah it would be nice it'll help you in life yes yeah what kind of wife are you looking for uh normal one a normal wife yeah. you know I, I gotta tell you the truth uh-huh. there's no such thing my friend I heard they're in aisle six. No, no, no. Let's just stay stay wild. Oh, okay. 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 Let's keep on the wife thing because Uh I think nails represent something more deep in your life. Mm. Perhaps you looking for a wife. No, I'm just trying to make a table. okay. okay. All right. right. Let's give Pastor Sam a hand (laughs) for participating. But this is how we kind of see prayer. We want to go in, like, God, where are the nails? And God's going to be like, they're on aisle six. Peace out, God. In the hardware, scenar- hardware store scenario, and thank you, Pastor Sam, for humoring us and especially me. Uh, <laughs> in the hardware store scenario and even the therapist scenario, unloading our concerns or simply getting what we came for can make us feel lighter, Sure. But it doesn't necessarily make us feel less lonely. It doesn't necessarily fill the deep longing in our heart. And that's why Megan Hill writes this in her book on prayer. For the Christian, prayer always expresses a relationship with the Father through the work of the Son by the power of the Spirit. And this is why we pray in Jesus' name, after we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. We don't just say amen. We don't just go, God, um, I would like some nails. Amen. Even if we did have that kind of prayer, we would end it in Jesus' name. So for the next at least six weeks, I'm going to ask everybody that prays or leads worship or anything like that, we say, let's, let's do it for this series at least. Let's pray in Jesus' name. Not, not, not even your name. Whose name? And I take, it, I take it like this. We really want to study what it means to pray in Jesus' name. So if I know that Jesus is the intercessor, Jesus is the one, because of him, God hears my prayers, then I would love to say the most beautiful name in the world. In fact, the shivers that would run down my spine wouldn't be shivers of fear, but it would be shivers of joy. So I wouldn't say, you... You, this guy, you. I mean, you could say that if I really like somebody, it could be like, you, 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 this guy, right? You could say that, but if I had incredible gratitude toward a person that I incredibly love deeply, perhaps I would say you, but you know what? I would love to call out their name, and we have been given an incredible privilege to do so. What would your incredible gratitude lead you to say when you call upon the name above all names, the most beautiful name of all? But it's not just any kind of relationship, it's not a relationship of equals. It's not a relationship of equals. God is the high and holy creator, and we are his creatures. If this is the case, then we must approach God to relate to God on his terms and not ours. It's the same when we read about Queen Esther and she needed to have an audience with the king. If the king did not approve then she would have been killed. She needed to approach him on his terms, and his terms was that he can kill her at any time. In Habakkuk one thirteen, it says, you who are of pure eyes tend to see evil and cannot look at wrong. This is how the prophet describes God. He can't look at wrong. If someone upset the king and tried to have an audience with the king, even in the world the king would kill that person why would you let the enemy come and you would grant them an audience that makes no sense if the enemy came you would kill him and through sin we've become enemies with God so why would he even listen to us our prayers deserve scorn our prayers deserve silence but that's why we must go to the cross And it's at the cross, the Savior cries, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What we deserved, Jesus bore. Violence, torture, hatred, and even betrayal. These are terrible, terrible things. These are are things that you would never want to happen to yourself or anyone you loved. And yes, Jesus bore these things as horrible as they were, but there was something even worse than that, yes. He was ripped from his relationship with the Father. Do you know this pain? Have you ever had someone you love deeply and dearly ripped away from your life? How much more did it hurt the closer you were with them. And Jesus is the one that came to this earth and said, I and the Father are one. And because of our sins that He bore, death ripped them apart. And that's why in Galatians chapter 3:13 it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for earth, us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who is hanged on a tree. And through Christ's being rejected, we are accepted. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So not only are we enabled to pray, but because of the blood of Christ, we have the right to pray. When we pray, we are embracing something now. When we pray, we are embracing a restored relationship between God and us. My next point is God and God. Not only does God have a relationship with us, but God has a relationship with himself. This is the Trinitarian doctrine that we adhere to. We have a relationship with the God who is three in one. What does that mean? That means when we pray, all the three Godheads are involved in our prayer and there is a heavenly conversation that takes place. This is incredible. This is incredible. And we need to, we need to hear this again because when we pray, it's not just us and God, but God himself in the Godhead has a conversation in prayer. We approach the loving Father by the intercession of his Son through the groaning of the Holy Spirit. When we pray, God talks to God. When you pray, God talks to God. You know, I said before Jesus taught us to pray, and he said, our Father. But before that, right before that, you know what he says in Matthew? He says, your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Why would he say that? Why would Jesus say, before you even ask the Father, and it's also in Isaiah, before you even ask the Father, he knows what you're going to say, what you need. And if you heard that, wouldn't you think, wait, God knows what I want before I ask him? Why even pray? Why would I pray? God knows what I want before I ask him. Why would you pray? But what Jesus is doing here is remarkable. It's because he is saying this as a motivation to pray. He's saying because God knows what you want, even before you ask, therefore pray, our Father. What does that mean? That means something, right? It means that, We are in this incredible, incredible relationship. How would you know what someone needs before they ask you? If you were ever in charge of someone, if you love your child, you know, if you love someone dearly, you know, even before they come up to you, guess what? You know you know what they want. You know what they want. But you have them ask anyway, Right? What does that mean? This encouragement to pray, saying God already knows what you need before you ask him. This is an encouragement to show us how much the Father loves us. How much does he love you that even before you say it, he loves you so much he's just waiting. He knows what you want. And he's saying, just say, I already know because I love you so much. This is the love of the Father that we have when we pray. That's why Jesus is encouraging us. He knows what you want even before you say it. Therefore, pray. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Not only does the Father love us, but Jesus intercedes for us when he prays in John 17 for us to be unified. When he prayed for Peter not to be sifted by Satan. Whenever he could, we see in Jesus' life, Jesus is praying. He also leads his disciple to a place of prayer. He's always telling his disciples, pray with me, pray with me. And so, yes, we as Jesus' disciples, we're called to pray with him, pray alongside him. In Romans 8:26, it says, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What does the Spirit do? In 1 John 4, 2, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come and the flesh is from God. The Spirit confesses Jesus Christ as Lord. That's why the Spirit unites us with Christ. And by Him we can cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit unites us with Christ. And by Him we can cry, Abba, Father. That is why we can say the Christian never prays alone. By the Spirit, we are encouraged to pray. By His Son, we are given His hand to follow Him into a place of assurance. And that place is to the Father who just loves to lavish on His children. Finally, us and God. By us, I mean all of us. This is what we mean when we say corporate prayer. God has designed it so that he is the vine and we are the branches. We're all connected to each other. Do you realize this? Right now in this very room, we are all connected to each other through Jesus Christ. We are the branches and he is the vine. This means that believers cannot opt out of a church community any more than the branch can opt out of a vine. Union with Christ joins us with everyone who is in Christ and even Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would all be one just as the Father and Jesus are one. This is, these are his words, I in them and you in me that they may perfectly become one. Jesus is the adhesive that sticks us all together. Bonhoeffer says this, it is in fact the most normal thing in the common Christian life, to pray together. Praying together nurtures our relationship with each other and with God. You know, we just had a retreat, and I really believe that one of the most important times that we have in a retreat is our final time together when we get to pray with each other and for each other. You can actually literally see a melding of hearts and a joining of hearts when that happens. This praying together and unification as Jesus intended shows us a glimpse of heaven. In Romans chapter 7, verse 9 to 10, it says this. Excuse me. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples, and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb you know when we get together there is something exciting that happens when you get together with your friends um, there's something that you talk about right? And <clears throat> when I was younger, sure, we had these incredible athletes that we have now, but when Michael Jordan first came out, it was an incredible thing to witness and experience. This guy was an athlete above all other athletes at the time, and every time he wanted to score, seemed like he could willingly score. So when our friends got together, we could only talk about what Jordan did the other night. And then someone else came on the screen, and that was Allen Iverson. And Allen Iverson in this one uh, game breaks Michael Jordan's ankles, and he scores on him. And we're like, it's a new era. No more MJ. It's Allen's, it's Allen's era. And then Kobe Bryant comes in, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, my personal, I was a personal fan of Penny Hardaway, but we had all these people, and when we got together, this is what we would talk about because they would ooh and awe us, but only for a limited time, right? And people think once we're in heaven, we're gonna be praising God all day. Wait, 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 are you serious? Because that sounds a little boring to me. Like, I don't wanna be praising God all day. When am I gonna have some time to, you know, break some ankles of my own or something like that? We could be thinking that. But here's the thing. When we see something so amazing, something out of this world, above our capacity our natural response is to worship imagine then what we get to witness and no one's like oh so much michael jordan i want to talk about something else let's talk about you know Scottie pippen i don't know whatever you want let's talk about something else and maybe maybe there's something like that in us but some, some, one time, if, if they just do something out of this world, that's all you would see. It's not just in the sports world. It's in the news world. When something happens, that's all you can talk about. Imagine that we get to be face-to-face with someone infinitely more beautiful than anyone we've ever seen. Someone infinitely more powerful than any power we could have imagined someone infinitely more loving and more intimate than we ever experienced what do you think we would talk about and that's why in revelations it says God's people would come together and when we come together we come together in worship and when we pray together that is exactly what we are doing I want to end with this statement that prayer has always been intended to be an act of relationship. And it's time, CGS, that we take this precious opportunity and pray. Let's pray at this time. There are three things I mentioned about prayer today. But one thing I want to point out again is that prayer is not just the submission of a list of desires, although God does hear them and answer them. More deeply and more profoundly, prayer is God coming near to us. And when we pray together, we are doing his will because this is what he desires us to do. So now as we just meditate and pray on what we've heard and learned, pray that you can have a deep and intimate relationship with the Lord. He is the one that's knocking on the door of your heart. And he's asking that you open it to him. You open it to him through prayer. Let's pray.